Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church and to this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians. Our service this morning is, it's been created by various congregation members who have something to say to us all about our subject of learning from gardening. Now this service is the first in June and this month's ministry theme is about flourishing, flourishing and coping. I wonder what those words evoke for you. For haven't most of us experienced times in life when we've flourished? And haven't we experienced times when we've, we've just coped, we've managed? And then there have been the times, haven't there, for many of us, I suspect, when we haven't coped, when we've felt ourselves going under, perhaps. So whatever phase of life you are in at the moment, I hope there'll be something in today's service that will speak to you and to your condition, and that we'll leave this place enriched. Enriched by one another's good company, enriched by having some time set aside for ourselves, and enriched by the, by the opportunity to, to remember that we are part of something greater, far greater than ourselves. So I invite you to take this opportunity to, to focus and settle. To take a conscious breath, perhaps, and, and as you breathe out, remind yourself of the earth, beneath your feet and the sky above and with all the life that we share this moment with. Our chalice flame is lit, this symbol of our worldwide progressive Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community. May its one flame remind us of the infinite life forms that we share this existence with that we may be grateful for life's wondrous variety, one life and an infinity of expression. Um, I grew up on a farm, so I probably learned some early lessons without realizing it. I now have an allotment of about 250 square meters in West London, and I'm still learning. And I'm always anxious to get my planting done as early as possible, so I don't grow many overwinter crops, but I spend that season preparing the ground and I learned to make my own compost. Every year I still make the mistake of planting seeds and young plants before the soil has warmed sufficiently. This means that some plants get damaged by low temperatures and some seeds just never germinate. I don't exactly follow the medieval practice which my neighbour told me about, of sitting with my bare skin in contact with the soil in, in order to gauge how warm it is. For some crops, I try to discipline myself to wait until the minimum nighttime temperature is about 8 degrees Celsius. I'm not sure this has any scientific basis, but it's just something I learned from practicing it. Um, of course, uh, with some crops, this caution is not necessary, and my garlic and broad beans can be planted in October. I've learned that it's probably 
a good idea to grow the crops that work for me on the type of plot that I have. And although hydroponics looks like replacing traditional methods for some crops, I think I'll stick with being old-fashioned and using soil. I've never had much success with parsnips and cauliflowers, so I don't even try to grow them now. I try to avoid using sprays and artificial fertilizers, and in recent years have reserved a small plot for wildflowers to encourage insects. I have found that ladybirds will often deal with infestations of aphids or blackfly without a need for other interventions. Working with respect for nature and the environment gives me a lot of satisfaction and is thought to be beneficial for both physical and mental health. Our management committee is currently looking at the possibility of reintroducing hedgehogs and this is quite possible because we've got 12 acres on this particular site. My neighbouring allotment holder, when she started, said that she didn't mind sharing her produce with the slugs and snails, but a few months later I noticed that she was using organic slug pellets. And then she told me, I don't mind sharing, but they started to take advantage. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. So let's uh, ready ourselves now for a time of reflection and prayer. As I call on the divine spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all we say and do together this day. The best things that any mortal has are those which every mortal shares. Well, let us give thanks for the gifts of life we share. For air to breathe. For earth and all that grows within her. For sunshine and rain. And all that is essential for growth. Let us acknowledge the times when we find it difficult to share. Those greedy, grasping aspects of our lives. Our feelings of separation from others. Our oh-so-human desire to go it alone. Let's take this moment to remind ourselves that we are each a unique part of one great life force, a single community of life. And there is indeed enough for everyone, enough food, enough water, enough appreciation, enough love, when we know how to share, how to balance our giving and our receiving.
and we who are ever aware of our human society's injustices. Let us remember those who struggle this day to meet life's basic needs. Those who hunger and thirst. Those who live in fear. We who can only at times bear witness to the pains of others. May our hearts remain open and loving. And may we recognise the little we might do to ease the sufferings of others. And take those necessary steps. doing the little we can do with what we have. And may, may our world be a better place this day because each of us exists. And may this be so for the greater good of all. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, these are some uh, thoughts and some uh, bits of advice written by my wife, Pat, who, who has been a great teacher for me about gardening. Gardening for me for many, many years was just something I had to do, mow the lawn, cut that back, cut that back, and it was just another job. And um, so she's uh, been a great teacher for me personally and uh, actually has created a quite an obsession about composting me. <laughs> quite, uh... Anyway, these are, these are a few thoughts and lessons from gardening. Be present and touch the soil, the earth. Connect with the soil and the earth. Plant your seedlings and speak with them. Water Feed and keep them warm. Pray that they are healthy. Then let go of the outcome. Keep smiling and be excited when the garden does its own thing, as it most definitely will. Gardening has taught me that it is like all relationships. We need to be connected and nourish our loved ones, listen to them, keep them sheltered, and then let go of the outcome. What a blessing. Thank you, Pat and John. The perfect flower is vibrantly bright yellow. No fussing with how much water to give it. It's happy in wet or dry conditions. Direct or indirect sun, not a concern. It flowers all season, no deadheading required. When it goes to seed, the flower changes into a semi-translucent, magical globe of wondrous miniature spokes with white wisps of cloud at the tips. 
And when the breeze is just so, dozens of tiny seedlings, each with its wispy parachute, dances like a butterfly, shrinking smaller and smaller into the distance until it simply evaporates into the air. And if that's not enough, you can make a delicious salad out of its whimsical serrated spearhead-shaped leaves. Yes, my favorite flower is the outcast of outcasts. <laughs> the... Oops, lost my spot. <laughs> the gorgeous and indefatigable dandelion. When we lived in Rhode Island, I kept a little secret garden of them. It was hidden by stone walls on two sides, the doghouse on the third and the houses at the fourth, so none of the neighbors could see it. And a good thing, too, based on the uh, occasional but steady stream of tips for achieving the apparently coveted monochromatic lawn. When no one was looking, I would grasp the little white globes into my fist from, away, from the wayward stems and drop them into my guilty little garden secret as I walked the path to the back door. In summer, it transformed into a kaleidoscope of yellow and green, just glorious. The value behind a nugget of wisdom is not the same for all who encounter it. Perhaps for some, the plight of the dandelion conjures who or what we look upon with disdain for no other reason than our cultural bias. Some may think of who or what we direct resources to or withhold resources from, with little consideration of what, of what might flourish naturally. Some may admire how the dandelion persists in the face of all the efforts to persecute it. Perhaps your life's journey reveals a dandelion-related truth just for you.
So we're going to move into a meditative time now. Uh, you might want to put down anything you don't want to hold on to or hold on to anyone or anything you would like to hold on to. Maybe enjoy that feeling of your feet on the floor and your body sinking towards the earth. And there'll be a short spoken meditation and um, then that will be followed by a good few minutes of silence and that will come to an end with the chime from our bell. So do whatever works for you to settle yourself. Some people like to close their eyes or soften their gaze and focus on the candles. Allowing the, the gentle rhythm of your breathing to settle you. Aware as, as most of us often are of the, the busy train of your thoughts, but perhaps able to let those rest for a while. Almost as we let go of the sound of busy London outside this building. We can also allow our thoughts to settle. And in, in this time of glorious sunshine and, and early summer, it's a, it's a good time of year to consider the natural world of which we are an intimate part. And I wonder if this day, if there is some aspect of the natural world that has a message for you. Is there something that you can imagine hearing from the natural world? Is there a tree that is special to you that comes to your memory or a favourite landscape or a special garden that you are very used to being in or that is a memory from <coughs> past years? So I invite you in the stillness, if you wish, to consider a special part of the natural world for you and the message that it has for you at this moment. There have always been flowers in my life. When we went on holiday to Anglesey in North Wales, there were lots of wild flowers which I learnt the names of. There was always thrift at the time we went, and little orchids, and I put a picture of thrift on the table there. 
In their 50s, my mum and dad had finally saved enough to have their own house built. From the moment the building began, they were planning their garden. As a teenager, I didn't want to be involved at all. Later on, when I came home from college, I would join my mum as she walked around the two large rectangular flower beds, gazing at every flower, letting me know their names and their origin. Like most gardeners, she wasn't opposed to collecting a seed head or taking the occasional cutting. My own gardens happened much later. After 11 years of increasingly miserable marriage, I came to London and eventually got a basement flat. I don't know how long it was before I dug a little patch of soil in the grassy bank that surrounded the flat. I sowed some Californian poppy seeds and they made a welcoming, bright display. I soon became more enthusiastic and began planting things right up the bank. And then a woman from further down the street offered some plants. And later on, my upstairs neighbour, Dave, asked if he could help. It was great that he was interested. After a while, he came and told me that the church across the road from the flat was to be demolished. He came back with a rose bush from the church garden, after which we both went scavenging and brought plants to our garden. In 1991, my family were offered a maisonette in Acton, where I still live. In front of our entrance, there was a paved patch. I began by getting a picnic bench, the kind with seats attached, where we could sit and drink coffee. After a while, I had a few pots of geraniums on it, and then a tray of seedlings. I hadn't got much in the way of pots, but a bucket with drainage holes drilled in it is quite good for putting seeds in. At about this time, we had a talk at Essex Church about global warming by Jonathan Porritt. He was a founder member of the Green Party and later became director of Friends of the Earth and he still has a blog um, about global warming, obviously. Following this, the congregation were asked what they might do to make a difference. I pledged to make a garden, which was really just expanding on my own inclination. My garden is entirely in pots and trays, and it has grown year by year. I have quite a number of plants that come up every year and I always plant tulips and tete-a-tete -tete daffodils. Neighbours sometimes comment on how they like the garden and I try to encourage them to grow something too 
but most of them say they haven't got time. But the neighbours on either side of me each have established colourful, a colourful front garden. Last year I began to feel tired of all watering and I chose not to replace plants. I still have about 30, large and small, and this year, since I've hurt my foot, I've been sitting in my garden without feeling obliged to do anything. <laughs> I love the variety of leaf shapes and watching flower buds day by day as they slowly open. I'm particularly enjoying a self-seeded poppy with beautiful leaves and I have thrift which takes me right back to my angle to Anglesey and the cliff top walks. Thank you Juliet and um, I'm not going to read all of this piece that Carolyn Appleby um, contributed but these pieces are going to be in the newsletter so you'll be able to read them later. Carolyn is a keen gardener and apologises for not being here today but this morning something, someone is coming to help her with her garden and she thought that was more important than church. <laughs> I really like this little bit. She writes, it's important to see what is there in my garden that I don't want to change. A real lesson on being satisfied with what you have. I found that as plants grow so very rapidly and my having so many interests besides gardening, I let it grow. I let it show me the way. I recognise this is one of the many things in life I can't control. As the Beatles sang, let it be. Many of my neighbours have concreted over their plots, but, but I want my space to thrive. So I allow the wild flowers that some people call weeds to abide with me. And also I remove some. After all, the world is made up of all types of people in all sorts of places, likewise. And although I love flowers tremendously, I also enjoy the shapes and colour shades of all the leaves too. They entertain me wonderfully. After all, special events are great and exciting, but life is very much about what's low-key and behind the scenes. The two states are equally valuable. So thank you to everybody who's uh, given their thoughts about lessons learned from gardening. And uh, if you would like to take part in a congregational service sometimes, do let us know. And so in the, in the week ahead, may each of us be touched by the beauty of this earth and by the bounty of early summertime. May we live our lives remembering that we are part of a single community of life and that we share with all beings our one planet Earth home. Let us be the best of neighbours to one another this day and all days. Amen.
for well and blessed be.